0: As we think about Independence Day, I've been walking through the one-year Bible and I've spent quite a bit of time in uh, 2 Kings here lately. And so as I was thinking about today and uh, not really wanting to jump in uh, yet into my summer series uh, today, um, I've been thinking about Hezekiah and some of the kings that I've been reading about in the Old Testament so I want to share uh, some of that with you, and I want to, if you want to turn in your Bibles, or it will be up in the screen in 2 Kings chapter 18. We're going to be looking at the story from 2 Kings 18, 19, and 20 this morning, and some of that is out of um, chronological order in your Bibles, and so I'm going to do that chronologically this morning, so if I bounce around a little bit, that is why, um, but... Um, and there's a reason why it was written that way. But anyway, I want to just read this text for you as we start out. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. From watchtower to fortified city, he defeated the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory. Let's just pray. Oh Lord Jesus, we just come before you today and we just ask Lord, that you would bring alive uh, the Old Testament text here from Second Kings speak to us today in Jesus name amen here is one of those good kings there are bad kings there are really good kings and then there's kings who tried to be good but just didn't go all the way with it they they were good themselves but they refused to break down the i Idols of idolatry and the altars of idolatry and the Asherah poles and all of that. They were pretty good kings, but they wouldn't undo the evil that had been done by the bad kings. And then there were good kings that came along and turned their hearts to the Lord. And they followed through aggressively. Now I want you to notice, um, as, as we go through the life of Hezekiah here this morning... Um, That even those really good kings from time to time made mistakes and even committed sins. I never want you to get to the point, I mean, these are the kings of Israel and Judah, of ever getting to the place where you think that you have arrived to such a station that you cannot sin. That is the first step in sin. To think you're beyond it. Be careful of that. And always be working towards being good. Good in your heart and good in the choices that you make. Well, this this king Hezekiah was the son of wicked king Ahaz. Now, you know about Ahab. He was a really wicked king. This is another one, a king of Judah. Ahaz, who was also evil. But growing up under his evil father as a king, for whatever reason, God got a hold of Hezekiah's heart. And he became king at the age of 25. In 726 B.C., he lived to be 54 years old. And he was king for 29 years until 697 B.C. He destroyed idols. Moses had a bronze snake that he had made that he used to heal people. And even the Israelites took that bronze snake and they began, instead of worshiping the God who healed people with it, they began to worship that snake. And so something that had lasted all the way from the time of Moses, all the way through all those kings of Judah, had become an idol. And this king Hezekiah took that bronze snake that was sacred, that was special, that had tradition and history behind it, and he ground it to smithereens and destroyed that idol. Amazing. That's a pretty big statement when you take something that has lasted for centuries now, had become an idol and you destroy it. Something that belonged to Moses. Can you imagine if I destroyed something that we had in the church here that belonged to Moses? There would probably be a little bit of an uproar about that. Hezekiah just destroyed it. The temple had been closed. Literally closed up. Boarded up. They had stored stuff in it and then they boarded it up. And it had just sat empty, the great temple of Solomon. Had sat there empty and boarded up. And Hezekiah reopened it. He took the boards off the doors and opened it up. He refurbished it, hauled out all the stuff that had been stored in there that didn't belong in the temple, and he repaired the temple. He reinstituted the services and started up up all the sacrifices. He reorganized the Levite priesthood, the Levite singers, and got temple services all going again. He restarted the sacrifices, the feasts, and the fasts of the Old Testament. So here is a king who is remarkably different, and it just goes to show you just how wicked and evil (laughs) the kings of Judah, God's People had become that they had eliminated all of that from the national life of Judah I mean this is a little bit different than the United States of America we didn't start out as God's chosen people you just think about it. these are God's people and their kings have completely led them completely away from everything they had known well, now if you were to skip to King Second Kings chapter 20, you have the story about how Hezekiah became ill. And it's a wonderful story, and it happens 14 years into his reign in 712 BC. And he gets sick, and he's about to die. And, and if that isn't bad enough news, Isaiah the prophet shows up, For the first time in scripture, this is the first time we have Isaiah showing up. Isaiah the prophet shows up, comes up to Hezekiah when he's sick on his deathbed. And Isaiah prophesies, you are going to die. (laughs) When you're sick, isn't that what you want to hear? A prophet of the Lord come and say, you're dead. (laughs) And he says, get your house in order. Well, to say get your house in order meant a couple of things. First of all, it meant to get ready for secession. Pick out who's going to replace you. The interesting thing was that Hezekiah had no children and God had promised David that on the throne of Israel there would always be a descendant of David. Hezekiah had no children. And yet the prophet of the Lord comes to Hezekiah and says, "Get your house in order. Decide who's going to be on the throne of Israel. As soon as Isaiah comes, Hezekiah gets up off of his bed and goes to the wall of the temple and he just weeps before the Lord. And he begs the Lord He said, Lord, you have seen all that I have done to reverse the evils of my father. You have seen what I have done. And he started listing the things that he had done for righteousness in the nation. And he pleaded with God to extend his life. Isaiah has left. And Isaiah has walked in the... the, The courtyard of the temple is quite extensive and he's walked halfway out and the Lord stops Isaiah and says, Isaiah, my good king has responded well. My good king has prayed and asked for a longer life. I want you to go back and tell him that I will extend his life 15 years. So Isaiah turned around, went back to Hezekiah, announced to him that he had 15 more years from God to live. Now, he wasn't healed yet. He just announced that. The first thing Hezekiah says to Isaiah is, well, what is the proof of that? What is the evidence? I want a sign from God that he is going to heal me. And so... um, Isaiah says, um, do you want the sundial to go forward 15 steps or backwards 10 steps? And Hezekiah says, well, you know, it goes forward all the time. That's the way God created the universe. I want to see it go backwards. (laughs) And, and, And really, if you stop and think about it, all of us would like to have a little bit more time in our day. And so he just got 10 more hours a day <laughs> and, and he prayed. And probably this is not the kind of kind of sundial that Hezekiah had because it does the scriptures talk about steps. And so they're, they're thinking it was a huge, big column and a bunch of steps all the way around. And it would go up and down uh, based on the sun. But a lot, of, a lot of people have used these kind of sundials and you can kind of see just by the shadow what time of day it is on that. So, anyway, instantly, Hezekiah, looking out his window, sees the sundial go back 10 steps. And he gets another 10 hours in his day. And then, on top of that, Isaiah takes a a poultice and um, makes that and rubs it on the boil that was uh, killing Hezekiah. And then tells him that within two days he will be able to go to the temple. As long as he had that boil, he was unclean. But within two days, it was healed up, and Hezekiah went to the temple uh, two days later. Now, there's a lot of debate about whether Hezekiah's prayer to live longer was good or bad. <laughs> and some argue that it wasn't a very good prayer, because Hezekiah did have more children, he had several sons, and his oldest son Manasseh was an incredibly, incredibly wicked, wicked king. And he was born, became, uh, as soon as as Hezekiah died, he ascended the throne, and immediately started undoing what his father had done. And was uh, just as wicked as any of the kings of Judah. And so some have wondered if Hezekiah should have even prayed that prayer. But here's some other things um, that that one ought to consider. God did extend his life 15 years. And um, the other thing is that Hezekiah spent those last 15 years taking the word of God finding all the different scrolls and all the different segments of it and assembling it together for temple worship because he had restored the temple and it was very important to him and a lot a lot of what we have in the Old Testament today we can attribute to God using Hezekiah to pulling all those fragmented texts and scrolls together and assembling them together and even Psalms I think it's 122 through 134 somewhere in there all of those Psalms they believe are written about the life and times of Hezekiah and his healing but so much of what we have in the Old Testament we have because of what King Hezekiah did in those last 15 years of his life that God restored to him and his love for the temple. Well, now backing up, going forward in time, but backing up in 2 Kings. Israel and Samaria had already been taken into captivity. Judah is still there. And you would think that after Israel had been taken into captivity by the Assyrians... That Judah would have wised up. But they didn't. They didn't at all, except for during the reign of Hezekiah. But having seen that, and it's interesting that the scriptures say in 2 Kings 18:11 that Israel was carted off into captivity. And really, if you read some of those texts, it's almost like Assyria just came and carted them off. Um, like Jews in the Holocaust on trains and just stuffed them in uh, like so much tons of rubbish and just hauled them off into captivity in Assyria. God eventually does that to any nation, even his own people called by his own name when they consistently turn against him. There is no reason, friends, that we should ever expect that the holiness and the wrath of God should not come upon America if we continue to walk in wickedness and evil. If God would send his own people, the Israelites, the people of Israel and Judah, into captivity for 70 years for their sin. We need to always keep that in mind. God does that especially to nations that he has single-handedly blessed. God had blessed. God had given the Israelites the choicest land, Canaan, the promised land. And God has blessed this nation in a way that he has not blessed other nations in the world. You and I are so, so very privileged to live here. Incredibly privileged to live in this land because of the blessing of God. This land, friends, we can never boast about what we have. Any one of us could have been born in Ethiopia Any one of us could have been born in any land, anywhere, and not had any of the privileges, the resources, the blessings that you and I experience in every day, and we should never, ever boast that what we have, we have made. You wouldn't have anything if you started out with no resources. If the land didn't produce, and there was poverty all around, and there was a system of communism where you were born... You wouldn't have what you have, no matter how smart you are. No matter how wonderful you are. You are blessed. And every blessing you have is a blessing given to you by God. And do not get proud. Do not get arrogant about what you have. You are blessed because God has chosen to bless you. Never, ever forget that. So you have the Israelites from Israel up in captivity. You have Judah down here and the Assyrians who had taken away Israel into captivity are threatening Judah. Year after year, decade after decade, they are threatening Judah and they are saying, "Um, we are going to come and get you too. And Judah comes up with three solutions, three political options in terms of how do we deal with Assyria. And this sounds so much like the USA. (laughs) The first one is pay tributes. Just give Assyria whatever they want and make them happy because they're really good people anyway. Just do whatever it takes to make them happy. The second solution is Let's find out who we can make alliances with to be just as strong. Who can we make an alliance with so that other people can come along and help us and protect us when Assyria comes? Primarily with Egypt is the, was the thought in Judah. If, if, if we can be friendly with Egypt, Egypt will protect us when the Assyrians come to get us. So you have, basically, in America, the Democratic response, number one, and the Republican response, number two, and then the number three. Do what is right and trust God for protection. (laughs) Hmm. Hezekiah becomes king. The former kings before him had chosen to pay tribute to Assyria. And so they would just buy them off. Every time Assyria came and threatened to come and take them, they would hand them some more gold or silver or timber or whatever, just give them whatever they want, keep them happy. And it worked for a while. But Hezekiah comes to the throne, and because he is intent on following God with all of his heart and soul and mind and strength, he decides he is not giving Assyria anything. And he doesn't. And in 701 BC, the king of Syria, Sennacherib, has had enough. And he says, who do they think they are that they are not going to pay tribute to me and not going to give me gold and silver for not coming and taking them captive? And he sends an army. Now that army is like, it's way, way over. Probably... 300,000 man troop against a little nation, Judah. And so here they come, pounding the soil as they come. And Hezekiah gets scared in the process and he loses his faith. Now, do you fault him? (laughs) You're this little tiny, tiny kingdom of Judah You've got an army, a vast army approaching you. You're the one that said, no, we will trust God. We will not pay them ransom. (laughs) We want to give them the bribe. And all of a sudden, they're at your doorstep. And Hezekiah gets scared, and he reverts back to number one. And he says, okay, what's it going to take to hold you off? Sennacherib says, 11 tons of silver. One ton of gold. And he lists some other things. Now just stop and think about tons of silver. Ton of gold. That's a a lot. Hezekiah finds it. He robs the temple. He hires people to come in and scrape the gold that he had lined the doors, all the doors in the temple with, and they scrape the gold off the doors of the temple in order to get enough gold to pay off Sennacherib. They get it all put together. They give it to the Assyrians. The Assyrians leave, and they get out there a little bit, and they turn, and they attack Judah. Their word is no good because they're not good people. (laughs) <laughs> they just got that all handed over to them. Now I have no idea where I am at, so um, let me find myself. The Assyrians at that point, they come back and they make all kinds of fun <laughs> of, of Hezekiah, of Judah. They, they promise, you know, if you people will just load up and come with us and just follow us into captivity, you can live in peace and prosperity. Doesn't that sound like a wonderful promise? <laughs> That's what they tell them. And, and they say, you know, you might as well because you can't trust. You can't trust your God There is no nation on the face of the earth, and literally no nation on the face of the earth had been able to stand up to Assyria. Nowhere. Assyria had wiped out and decimated every nation that they had gone for. So they said, you're no different. Israel couldn't stand up to us. What makes you think you can stand up to us? Big nations had fallen to Assyria. Assyria had become the leading empire of the world. So they made fun of Hezekiah. They made fun of Judah. And then they started making fun of Israel's God, Jehovah. And Hezekiah heard that and he went to the temple. And he repented and he prayed And he says, God, you hear the vain threats these people are making. I want you to do something so these people know who is God. (laughs) And he goes and he prays. And all of a sudden, Sennacherib gets called to pull his army somewhere else where it's needed in a battle. And so Sennacherib pulls the army out. Those troops, they start to leave. And the leader of the army sends Hezekiah a message and he says, don't think we won't be back. We just got called away, we'll be back and we will totally destroy this place. And in that letter, he insulted God again, insulted Hezekiah, all that kind of stuff. And so Hezekiah now has written proof. And he takes it to God as though God couldn't hear and couldn't see. And he lays it out before God at the temple and says, Look, God, look right here at this letter. It says you're worthless. It says you can't defend us. And he says, God, you've got to do something. The Assyrians were sleeping one more night before they pulled out to head out. And the scripture says that God sent an angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord. And that is always code in the Old Testament for a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus comes down as an angel in the Old Testament at this time. And he strikes 185,000 Assyrian soldiers dead in their sleep. Now. That that was just a fraction of the army that Sennacherib had sent. So you know that army was huge. That came very terrifying. But they they leave. They the rest of them wake up in the morning and there's a. Can you even imagine 185,000 dead soldiers? They wake up and see that, and they run with their tails between their legs, (laughs) and they leave. Wow. The Assyrians had boasted that no God could save Judah from them, but indeed, that night, God saved Judah. What Assyria doesn't know is that that is the beginning of their downfall. The Assyrian Empire was on the last legs of of their empire. They had never had a defeat before this. They had conquered everything they had set out to conquer. But when they could not conquer Judah, they started to decline as a nation. To the south of Assyria was this little country Babylon that was very, very weak. And very small. And it didn't have a great deal of power. And um, they were trying to figure out ways to protect themselves from Assyria. That they still believed was this mighty great empire. And so they heard about Hezekiah. And they heard about how Hezekiah and Judah had defeated Assyria. And they wanted to find out about that. And they'd heard about how Hezekiah had been sick almost to death and how God extended his life for 15 years. And they had heard how God, if you go to 2nd Chronicles, you can find out about how God had restored Judah and Hezekiah's wealth and replaced the gold and the silver and all of that and how God had rebuilt his wealth and the temple was full of wealth again. So they had heard this. And so the king of Babylon, merodach Baladan, and I probably will not repeat that since it's hard to say, he sent envoys um, to check everything out in 700 BC. And Hezekiah made a major mistake right here. He sins. He was flattered that Babylon was paying attention to him. And so when Babylon came with her envoys, he just kind of got puffed up and he thought, look at what I have done. I have drawn the attention of Babylon. And he starts showing and parading everything that he has, his vast wealth, the gold, the silver, all of the things that he had. And he shows them every detail of everything in the temple. He talks about how healthy he is as though... He was just naturally healthy. He just took credit for everything that God had done. (laughs) Isaiah shows up at all the wrong times. (laughs) And Isaiah came with news that Hezekiah's children were going to be hauled off into Babylon into captivity. And he says, you know, those Babylonians, they've seen everything you have and they are going to come back and they're going to take it someday from you. Because they've got a reason now to come and take you captive, come destroy your country. They've seen all that God has blessed you with. And so Isaiah tells him that and Isaiah um, tells him that his children are going to be taken into captivity and made eunuchs in Babylon. Now that's not really your desire as a parent for your children. Shouldn't be. But it's interesting that Hezekiah's only response to all of that was, This is good news. It's not happening while I'm alive. He didn't worry about his children being hauled off into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. He wasn't worried about the spiritual state of his grandchildren. He was only living for the present at that point in his life. So what are the lessons? What are the lessons from Isaiah and Hezekiah for us as a nation? First of all, I want to say that patriotism begins with righteous living. If you are going to be patriotic to your country... It begins with a righteous life. Because if you really believe that there is a God, and that God does order the affairs of the nations, and that God did establish our nation, and God has blessed it, then the number one patriotic thing we can do is make sure that God's blessing remains on this nation. And you do that through righteous living. Secondly, you pray like Hezekiah did. When when the Assyrians were on his doorstep, he prayed. When he was sick unto death, he prayed. Hezekiah prayed and wept before the Lord. And we need to pray and seek the Lord also. And then we need to trust God when tangible solutions make a lot more sense. And you can look all over, the, I, I don't know that there's much practical solutions coming out of Washington from either party and from those who claim no party. Um, but, but anyway, you know, when, when there appear to be rational, tangible solutions to problems, trust God instead. Trust God with the difficult things in life and with the, with the things that endanger America. We need to be people who trust God and don't just assume that there's a simple solution to the problems around us. Again, no one, no nation had ever been saved from the Assyrians except for this one little nation, Judah, because they trusted in God. And then patriotism involves staying humble in the land that God has blessed. Never assuming that you deserved, that you worked for, that you created. God gave you everything you have. And He has blessed you with it. And then I want to say to you, live today for tomorrow's generation. Live in such a way today that demonstrates that you care about the spiritual welfare of your children in the next generation and your grandchildren and all of that. Don't live in such a way, well, it doesn't matter what happens 30 years from now because I'll be gone. Or 40 or 20 or whatever it is for you. Don't think that way. Think about the grandchildren. Think about the children and how what kind of a life are we leaving for them?